Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The following is an episode of the Ace of Geeks podcast. The following episode contains spoilers for the 2021 Mortal Kombat movie. Episodes 5 and 6 of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and most of the Netflix adaptation of Leigh Bardugo's Shadow and Bone. We talk about Shadow and Bone a lot this episode. It's awesome. Go watch it. Go watch it right now. We'll wait. No, seriously. Did you watch it? Okay. We also talk a little bit about the free web browser game Journey of Wrestling, how incredibly illegal Spider-Man is, what we hope we turned into on International Goblinization Day, The Keeper Chronicles by J.A. Andrews, and the actual play Skyjack's podcast, Career's Call. Technical difficulties almost spelled ruin for this episode, so thank you more than usual for hanging out with us today. Welcome back, friend, to the warm hug of geekdom. Jaris, did you mm-hmm. tape a dog tag to your tattoo? What is that? No, I no, no. did not tape it. This is a digital heart monitor that I have to wear for 14 days, and it goes over my tattoo because I correctly guessed the placement of my heart when I got the tattoo done. Nice. What? Why are yes, you wearing is... a digital heart monitor? Uh, so because when the I... Zeo patch is supposed to uh, record all of your heartbeats in order to help you detect whether you have any arrhythmias or anything mm, else going on. Yes. my So um, I don't think this is uh, poorly known amongst our audience, but I have a large amount of medical-based anxiety. And so my heart rhythm was rather unusual when I got my uh, last general physical and the uh, nurse practitioner was like, do you have any arrhythmia in your family? I'm like, yeah, my grandmother had it. And she was like, okay, we definitely need to get a heart rate monitor on you um, to make sure this is only anxiety and that you do not also have an arrhythmia. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in my case, I had to get one because um, I kept having panic attacks. Uh, nothing was wrong with me. I just kept having panic attacks. And I was like, is something wrong with me? I need to make sure this isn't COVID or anything else. And I wore the patch for two weeks. Uh, they did, uh, an echocardiogram on my heart. I waited for the results. I went and saw the cardiologist and he was like, yeah, you're the healthiest person we've seen in here in months. You're (laughs) fine. (laughs) But maybe you should talk to someone about those panic attacks. (laughs) But I, I did. Good. They they scheduled sessions with the uh, behavioral psychologist that they have at the San Mateo Medical Center, and I had a few sessions with them. They taught me some uh, breathing techniques that I can use to get my heart rate under control okay. and back me away from the edge. Good. Uh, and also the it helped that, that I realized that the, I... 
it is the like one thing you can see, one thing you can hear, one thing you can taste. Thing that when one you're having is a panic so attack. effective. You can teach it in schools. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One uh, thing I can see: my hands shaking in front of me. One <laughs> thing I can hear: my rapid breathing. <laughs> one thing I can taste: oh god, it's coppery. Oh! <laughs> I thought you were going to get a bit metaphysical. Be like, one thing I could touch: my impending defeat. One thing I can taste: reach out uh, the disappointment and touch of my ancestors. Uh, I have to ask, how did you bathe yourself while wearing this? I am using cellophane and duct tape to create a little window, and then I take a shower. What you don't know about that is that Jairus has never been happier. They are literally protecting cyberware on them in the shower. I'm so... You got me in one. (laughs) The weird thing about this is as uncomfortable as it is and as itchy as it is, it's giving me body euphoria. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's the authentic cyberpunk experience. You right? have to suffer a little physical discomfort in order to keep an electronic thing on your body. Speaking of I, which, um, happy day before Goblinization Day, everyone. Tomorrow, uh, yes. one of us will transport... When you heard this podcast, it'll have been a day since Goblinization, listeners. Mm-hmm. I do hope you turned into the goblin or, or orc or troll of your dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are uh, 100% also, my... Con- also, my condolences, because uh, according to Shadowrun lore, that process was incredibly painful. Yeah, um, but I get out of it with sweet guns I didn't have to work for, man. <laughs> that's that's You know very how hard true. I've been working and, out in quarantine? It'd be so nice to just become a troll. <laughs> well, yeah, and also very... freaking plate armor that just grows out of your right. skin yeah. if you're a troll. Actually, like, what would you guys want to be? Would you want to be a goblin, an orc, or a troll? I would want to be a goblin. 100%. Well, hold on, hold on. There are other options. You can be an elf. Not on goblinization. Day. But not on Oh, is that no. a different day? <laughs> no, elves, elves and dwarves began to be born naturally in the years leading up to oh. goblinization day. Um, I would also then have to go for a goblin as the most positive and interesting of those options. Um, I guess it'd make me smaller. That would be too bad. So there's a song on on the Fusions playlist of mm-hmm. uh, um, that's called "Orcs Will Eat You." It's the best uh, song. from a very very amazing um, artist uh, from Ren Fairs named Heather Dale. She's got a children's album, um, oh, but the fine. song, the chorus of the song, just goes, "Orcs will eat you, trolls will too, goblins beat you." into goo and then it goes through all the different (laughs) fantasy races like the elves are like um that's why we're better because we don't eat things with brains (laughs) and then the orcs eat them and then the orcs eat them (laughs) and then like yeah it's it's a great song Mm -hmm. um highly recommend the album it's by heather dale and it's called Called imagineer Imagineer. and they also have like a lot of really great songs on it about um like participating in science for the sake of advancement and not like Mm. getting the gain right now, but being like the person who teaches the future engineer. And it's just so inspiring. And I'm getting goosies just thinking of it. Yeah. It's a song about going, about going to space and how it probably will probably won't have like human colonies on Mars and throughout the solar system in our lifetimes but we might be the people who teach the person who does it like yeah. and they're like you know make the movie that inspires someone to make faster than light travel or something like that yeah. it's a great song it's it's a fantastic yeah. song highly recommend but i also 
have recently been playing a goblin in a D&D campaign <laughs> and it is just oh. delightful. Um, tell tell yeah. them what your goblin's name is. My goblin's name is Pew Pew Boom uh, from the uh, Waterdeep Booms. My father uh-huh. is Kaboom <laughs> and um, I am a wild magic sorcerer and it is so much yes. fun. But like, mm-hmm. I feel kind of bad because our um, DM is a wonderful, wonderful social social justice warrior to like the nth degree. It's uh, Tyler Dent Hayes, author of um, the Imaginary Corpse, um, a friend of the, friend of the podcast and former Ace Alley wrestling wrestler. Yeah, yeah and <laughs> I I know that he is a social justice warrior, but there's so many times where like. Being the goblin in a generally humanoid party, um, we have a goblin and a and a kobold, and we always get looked at. Like at one point, the police literally was like, "Was this you two? And I was like, "Oh my god, not all goblins! Wow, wow!" And like, and I was just like, "Ooh, is that too much? Is that making people uncomfortable? I'm sorry. It's just." <laughs> Like mm. uh, Terry Pratchett would agree with your themes. Mm-hmm. I'm playing. Um, for people who are not my wife, who are playing this game, if you're listening, just fast forward a bit. This is kind of spoilery, but um, I'm playing a uh, uh, both a um, uh, foppish, uh, rich layabout town noble and a nothing. mysterious who does nothing. And a mysterious sword wielding masked adventurer who up, shows up to help the party when they're in trouble. Uh, and they are definitely not the same person. Definitely Wink. not the same person. <laughs> the funny thing is, Tyler told me that one of the players tried to cast detect magic on me when I was in my Zoroish form. But I'm playing, um, uh, I'm playing actually a Fey race, uh, and the human form is the illusion. The uh, the uh, the sword guy is the real form, so they tried to use the tech magic Ooh. on me, and there was no magic being cast. <laughs> That's very That's Superman awesome. Clark Kent. Yeah. Yeah. But what would you guys be on Goblinization Day? Uh, so, um, so far we have two goblins. Mm-hmm. I think Mike said... <laughs> okay. Although I've always wanted to play an orc street samurai, so maybe orc. I just I just like being the big beefy get tank tanky guys. Yeah. Um I would probably still be human. Mostly so that I would not have to go through the pain and I could help the people going through the pain of oh shit, my whole life <laughs> it's different now because suddenly I have I look like I've been roided up and also what are these tusks? <laughs> and also awesome horns. Wow. The Christian media is going to have a field day with this. Oh, shit. <laughs> Why is everyone treating me like I am suddenly evil? It's like all of fantasy has become reality. It's like all of fantasy mm-hmm. was an elaborate metaphor for racism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Surprising some people, apparently. What, which J.R.R. Tolkien didn't even know he was writing an elaborate metaphor for racism because he was probably a little racist. Well, and I mean, oh, like, he was definitely bigoted in various yeah. ways. Yeah. Well, and and sexist. I think any time an author makes like one race the bad mm-hmm. race, you know, yeah. and it's like everyone of that race automatically you look at them and you're like, we gotta kill them because they're evil, yep. and it's like, yeah, 
Yeah, honestly, honestly, I would love to see a postmodern examination of the fact that orcs are evil, blah, blah, blah. Maybe they were just, you know, under the heel of an evil despot for too long. You right. know, the culture changes, the societal expectations change, people get led astray. It's not their fault. So, uh, um, a, I, I don't know like why you turned enter, me for this speech, but... Um, <laughs> Um, I actually academicals for your consideration. Yeah. Terry Pratchett did it better. I'm actually I realized I remembered yesterday that I'm sort of in the process of writing that book because uh, I'm writing a book from wonderful. the perspective of a uh, um, uh, of a character from a quote unquote supposedly evil race who joined the good guys and overthrew the evil emperor and then this is what happens after that. Um, mm. But you know why I was reminded of that, guys? Hmm. Oh my god, you guys. So, okay, first of all, I will say, A, spoilers for the Mortal Kombat movie that just came out, but B, there's no comparison between this and the 1994 or 95 Mortal Kombat, obviously. That's the greatest movie of all time. You can't hold a candle to it. But they did a very good job. I was quite surprised. They did. One of the things that really hit me, and a part of this is my commentary comes from a lack of knowledge on the story of uh, Mortal Kombat. You mean the really but, deep, like, well-thought-out right. mythos mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat, like, through the arcade game and beyond? Listen, listen, listen. There is a deep mythos. Oh, Don't you be knocking on my deep mythos. And some aspects of it were in this movie. Yeah. I looked up a few things. However, I want to point out that one of the things that made the original film so good is that it perfectly encapsulated the feeling of Mortal Kombat to play, like, in a arcade thing. This was something that people were like very much um against a lot of people saw video games being too violent and they would point to the mortal Kombat aesthetic as a part of that and to its credit the old movie really copied that aesthetic well this movie feels like they really paid attention to the last 20 years of mortal Kombat, and all that aesthetic went deep into this movie like i was very impressed with how they skinned quote unquote or put a the facsimile they used to put over everything was very, very perfect for Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I what mm. I it, Mortal Kombat can never take itself seriously. That is no, the important no. thing. You can and it never, shouldn't ever. Um, One of the things of this script, I wouldn't say that it was a intelligent script with great dialogue, <laughs> but I would say that it was a very sarcastic script that knew what kind of script it was at the very beginning i was worried i was really worried because i was like they don't have johnny cage and this movie is taking itself seriously like cole is a serious character and sonia is a serious character jack's a serious character uh i am concerned and then they brought kano in and i was like okay they know (laughs) no kano Kano was a interesting kano was awesome in in this film Mm -hmm. and i i really appreciated that he still had the antagonistic relationship with sonia but it wasn't like a sexual predator way yeah um, that that it had been it because like the 1994 movie definitely had kind of moments between them yeah vibes Um, whereas here She's like, no, I captured your ass. And he's just like, I respect that. 
but I'm still going to kick your butt, you know? <laughs> um, and like, they aren't pulling punches for each other. And it's, it, it was just good to see that. Um, of course, Mortal Kombat is definitely a male heavy stable yeah. of fighters. And True. the whole point of like Sonya not having one of the marks and they're like, uh, you're not allowed to train with us. I was really hoping that she was almost going to unlock her power without getting one of that those marks. Cool. Um, just to that be like, be fuck you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do what I do. Um, Mm-hmm. And that would have been a very Sonya story. Oh, too. absolutely. Um, I really appreciated her story about not taking um, the, well, that wasn't a story. They showed us that she yeah. could have taken um, a mark and didn't, which makes her later taking it a more meaningful choice. I really appreciated yeah. that. Yeah. Well, and also like they were all showing that they were good people by not just killing Kano. <laughs> like, yeah. Let's put it this way. They were all kind of yeah. like, you're a liability. And, <laughs> like, but yet they are good people, so they don't just outright murder someone because he's a dick. Murder is bad. You know? Um, but they all like like Liu Kang talked about how he got his mark by taking out someone who trafficked children. And he was like, yeah. I would mm-hmm. not stand for that. And everyone's like, Yes, please, thank you. Thank you, you know. Thank you very much. Speaking of Liu Kang. Did you get the sense that he was in a different movie than everyone else? 100%. <laughs> he was just so extra and like just kind of taking everything to like the 11th. He would also, when the camera would turn to him, he often had expressions that suggested that he did not appreciate becoming the subject of our attention. It was very... <laughs> antagonistic yes. relationship with the camera yeah well he had an intensity to him mailing later later said did he looked kind of like a k-pop star and i i totally see that um, because it was it, just like that that intensity but like the whole like oh i'm not hot but really it's just like the most gorgeous you know like exuding confidence but yet like oh i'm just an awkward boy you know like yeah and then also, how does one person make that much muscle definition just by, like, <laughs> breathing a certain way? Like, you could literally see the, like, stripes of his muscles. Like, it was... It's, it's, it's true. called his dehydration. Pecs, oh. y- yeah. yeah. His, his oh. pecs were also shaped in such a way that made it look... It made it very obvious that his body should not look like that most of the time. Yeah. And he had, as you say... Uh, done the spit thing yeah but um uh certainly impressive to an extent that when another character mentioned it i was like yeah we're all thinking it yeah (laughs) yeah yeah no and and like what i appreciated about this movie is that actually like the stuff that they brought in like all the fan service that they brought in generally was well woven into the movie like i mean there were times especially when it was like fatality for kung lao i was like okay that was a little weird but when kung yeah, lao but that's got combat man yeah no exactly but when kung lao did like mm-hmm. flawless victory i was like that was perfect 
because yep. it was yeah. literally a flawless victory and i was so excited that he did his actual fatality from the game it was so cool um but uh there was so much fan service in it but yet yes. it was done well and it wasn't like it wasn't like beat you over the head fan service. The only other movie that I felt like it did this, and I'm probably going to get into a lot of trouble, is the 2009 Star Trek. Um, there was just mm -hmm. a lot of really well done fan service in that that helped move the story along. Like, for yeah. example, in Mortal Kombat, they showed Katana's fan, didn't make a big deal out of it, but you saw the fan, you were like, oh my god, that's my girl, you know, and then they had, like, different pictures of the fighters on Sonya's board, they gave you enough time to notice it, acknowledge it, and yep. be like, but it wasn't, like, the, the a big deal. The fact that Sonya's dartboard had a Johnny Cage art, uh, uh, autograph on it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, nice. it, I... I've seen movies with looser scripts, you know, yeah. and like this script actually there there was a point to it and also like the whole Scorpion story like actually oh, made oh, sense. Yeah. I wasn't expecting to get choked up at a Mortal Kombat movie, you know, sure. <laughs> like yeah. I I have to say the way they layered the fights was very interesting because the first fights are almost all, except for the very first one that happens in the beginning, it's just prologue, are all very meaningless compared to the rest of the story, and mostly exist for characters to be compared to one another. The second um, round of fights have a lot more like story leaning into them, but they're very individual stories. And then the third round of fights were way more complex in the various story reasons why they had to happen. To the point where when partway through the movie, they're like, they wanted a uh, fighting tournament, we'll bring them a fighting tournament. And I realize that throughout the whole movie, they are just recreating a game of Mortal Kombat with the yep. story bits taking up most of the time. I was like, this is a very interesting connection to the source material. Yeah. I really appreciated that. It was definitely made by people who were super fans of the game. And what I liked about it too, was that really everybody looked like they were just having so much fun, um, making the, uh, uh, like making it all the way through. Like, yeah. um, mm -hmm. It just, like, everybody looked like they were having a great time. Even, well, maybe except Raiden. Raiden was probably my one problem with the movie. Um, because he didn't do anything except for one time. Like, he wasn't there he to made be the a mentor. Lightning they wall. had Liu Kang do the mentor thing, which mm -hmm. is fine. Uh, and he did, like, some teleporty stuff. And I just, I feel like that actor was... English was clearly not his first language, and he seemed to be really struggling with the English dialogue in a way that I would have been like, like, can you can you cast an Asian American actor, maybe, like, or something? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Or have him speak Chinese and subtitle it. That would have been yeah. Great. That would have been a lot better too. And then I just really... have his god powers auto translate it for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been uh, very good. One of the things I enjoyed that they did with language um, is they showed a greater diversity of a East Asian languages mm. than uh, was in, I would say, 
other movies of similar genre that are yeah. not like Mortal Kombat. Um, they also really make you feel the the enmity of that original feud is like the characters speak different languages the characters have very different emotional settings the characters have very different drives like the build up to scorpion versus sub zero was really paid for emotionally yeah. yeah you could tell that they whoever wrote this movie and the director were huge Scorpion fans and really yeah. wanted to <laughs> make him the focus, which is why Cole exists. Like, I was confused as to why they would create a brand new character. Um, but I I understand now when I see that they really wanted to make Scorpion the main character, but you can't have Scorpion be the guy who doesn't understand Mortal Kombat and doesn't know what's going on because he's a hell right. right. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and again, that's the mark of actually a well-thought-out movie. They thought of a way to make it work and give it a purpose you know and like i also mm -hmm. think it was a good idea to make a new character for the movie because again there is such a huge mythos around mortal Kombat that if you choose any of the characters already in the stable you're gonna piss off a lot of people y you I mean, just Luke are you, you could have you could have picked luke you, you, it's very easy to pick luke Kang and have that work as witnessed by the 1990 But again, then film. it's like, well, now we're just remaking the 1994 movie, which isn't yes. necessarily and a bad thing. And we definitely see. don't want people to think we're remaking the 1994 movie because those people will get mad at yes. us for not doing it right yeah. or well yeah. enough. I suppose. Exactly. So, and, <laughs> and like, I, I liked, the, there were definitely some things where I was like, Let's go more into his backstory. Like, you know, yeah. has he been How having did... these dreams all his life? Or, you know, like... Raiden clearly took him, his family to the temple for safekeeping. How did he end up an orphan in Chicago? I have questions about Is he about that. concerned about his daughter taking on the family business? You know, like... there's Sorry, you, you, something... you, you did that juxtaposition of this thing happened, how he... How did he end up in Chicago with an orphan? Blah blah blah. I just my brain immediately edited in a record scratch, and yep, this is me. You're probably wondering how I got here. <laughs> there, give there me that was story for a Raiden. plot point there that didn't make sense to me until the very final um, Scorpion Sub Zero fight. The baby that was taken is not our main character. That is his oh, great 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 no, grandmother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was 1671 when they right fought. like. And so a part of me is like, oh, time travel stuff. That's very interesting. And then the movie goes on. I like, I think I'm confused about this person. And then uh, Scorpion explains. I'm like, I'm glad you put that in there, writer, because I needed that reminder. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I do have to say that final battle was so cool because Scorpion fought with a katana and he fought like yeah. a katana wielder. And Sub-Zero mm -hmm. fought with the Chinese broadsword. And he fought like a Chinese broadsword wielder. And the way that they like melded mm -hmm. the two sword styles was just so cool. And like, honestly, that fight was just like, whoa. Yeah. And I really appreciated indeed. that for most of the fights in the movie, they kept the camera far back enough yes. to see what you're doing. There's still a, a few too oh, many yeah. cuts for my taste, but uh, mm -hmm. except for um, in the uh, Sonya versus Melina fight. Because the ladies. 
the ladies looked a little uncomfortable with their choreography, but that's okay. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have to ask, how about that Arcanum? That was a fucking cool system. It was an interesting idea. It was a great way to explain uh, how why a everyone human... has superpowers. How a human yes, has a uh, fireball? They they explain, well, you have this thing ab- about you that gives you greater normal power. And I'm like, okay. And they're, they're like, it comes from things that you care about the most and are most driven by. I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. Also, we need to put our characters in a bunch of situations in which the things they really come care about are threatened so that those powers can come out. And I was like, I... This is Steven Universe. I'm 100% yes. behind this. <laughs> you, will, you will learn the power of friendship, or if you're Kano, you will learn the power of getting your ego insulted until you snap and shoot lasers from your eyes. That is a very one-eye, an extremely yes. egotistical symbol. But, like, what's so funny, too, is I loved how everyone was like, oh, no. Like, after he fought the laser, he shot the laser off, everyone was like, Oh, uh, you know, like <laughs> now yeah, we're gonna have to deal with this. More <laughs> annoying. Yeah, Jax's powers were super fucking cool. They I am one hundred percent behind. My ability is I take my normal handicap devices and turn them into super powered handicap devices. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit, that's awesome. <laughs> well, and I think that was also kind of like a beautiful story too that. You know, he was like, I'm useless, I I can't do anything, but when push came to shove, like, he was activated mm-hmm. because he wanted to save his, his partner, and... Yeah. You know, like the the effect of the skeletal arms, you know, was mm-hmm. really, really cool that it was like emaciated and, and small, and then when... He was just like, come on, I really need to to move this to help her. And then it became like, you know, mecha arms and stuff. Like, that was was pretty cool. Like, generally the aesthetic of the movie, perfect. Oh, 100% agree. They nailed that. Melina had clothes. I'm happy. Yeah. So. It's true. (laughs) They really, it was was interesting because they really, like, the movie all the way throughout, and again, this is perfect, that's what you want from Mortal Kombat, uh, felt like a um, like a Saturday morning cartoon. Like, every time mm, yes. they cut to Shang Tsung in his, you know, uh, in his weird floaty bridge thing that makes no goddamn sense in Outworld, I was like, yeah, that's perfect. That's exactly how Shang oh, Tsung yeah. would live. He doesn't need a, a room or bathrooms in his house. He only needs a place to gloat. <laughs> exactly. A place to gloat and shit on the peasants from high above. Yes. And in general, the settings and sets were fantastic. Sonya's place was amazing. Yeah. The ice uh, fight in the fighting rink uh, where our oh, main yeah. character comes from, amazing. Yeah. So many of those sets were just pitch perfect for what was emotionally going on in those scenes, yeah. which is more than you can ask from a lot of action movies. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, but... And especially action movies adapted from video games. They. Yeah. I'm hoping mm-hmm. that this is indicative of a trend towards bothering about quality yeah. well, in I think video wh- game adaptation movies. What's going to happen? So what happened with comic book movies in the 90s and 2000s was the people who had grown up reading comic books were finally the people making the comic book movies. 
uh same thing with this like the the people who made this movie had grown up playing mortal Kombat and actually gave mm-hmm. a crap about it and so you yeah. get uh you get a movie that's much more faithful uh, you know to the point where kung lao actually saws somebody in half <laughs> and two of the villains are characters that are so obscure i don't remember them right <laughs> <laughs> i played the game hammer guy was in but i'd totally forgotten him yeah. <laughs> I also thought to myself when that happened, I bet Hammer Guy's magic power is this hammer. I bet this hammer has a whole story. I bet the hammer has a name and he's dead. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um it was just... speaking speaking of cool magic, is there anything else we want to say before uh we geek out about the next thing? Um I would just say I really love mortal Kombat. i guess that's really only what i have to say i i don't I, I don't wasn't a huge fan before the movie in 94 when i was 11 and i saw it and it blew my mind and then mm-hmm. since then i've just been immersed in this mythos and i really hope the next one has baraka give me baraka. Mm-hmm. that would that, that would be would... really cool mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. the blind sword honestly what would he what would each of you rate the movie out of 10 i would rate it um i would say Seven point five out of ten. I was gonna say okay. eight out of ten because a little bit of demerit points for kind of just the sausage festiness of it. Ah, uh, sure, um, yeah. But that's just me as you know a woman wanting to just see myself. Um, but right. also like my girl Melina got got killed, so that's also minus one. But it's okay. Sure. I you understand. Know, Shang, Shang Tsung recovered all the bodies. I'm sure oh, yeah. that she'll be back. I'm, I'm sure, sure she will. Back. And like as I, zombies. I was going to say, um, if you get a chance, <laughs> this is going to sound really weird, but the story of Mortal Kombat 10 is actually really good the for the video the last game. couple of Mortal Kombat games have been great, and the yeah. story mode that Netherrealm has been doing for both this and Injustice, they have a, they do a really good job of making a fighting game story mode. It's, yeah. it's, it's basically cutscene fight, cutscene fight, cutscene fight, but... But it works. See, yeah. It works well, because... they actually have yeah. more writing being put into it. Yeah, and, mm. and I mean, like, this movie felt like one of the more recent games where it's like let's do some story let's have a fight let's do some more story Mm -hmm. let's have another fight Mm -hmm. and so i i actually give it high points for that so yeah i would say eight out of ten i enjoyed the hell out of it and again i've seen way looser scripts on bigger Uh films true you know so yeah jerris um, oh, on rating it, I, yeah, I don't know that I am the best person to ask because That's okay. my we're knowledge just, we're isn't just great. Reviewing it, give your own opinion. I was going to also say, say an eight, and I'm going to take one point away because the writing could have shined more. I think they could have leaned a little bit more into the winking at the audience. I would have enjoyed that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to agree that I was not pleased with the diversity of characters as I know them from the lineup, which is mm. to say that there are far more characters who are not, even if they're not men, just not these same characters, many of which we've seen before that I would really have wanted to see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah. But at the same time, like, I felt like they introduced a lot of characters. True. And, and set up for a good sequel for yeah, the characters. Yeah, but... It's kind of like, um, do you remember, oh god, which Spider-Man is it? It was one of the Tobey Maguires, but there was like 17 villains in that movie. Uh, Spider-Man, Spider-Man 3. 3. Spider-Man 3. There were like a million villains, and mm-hmm. I was just like, I have no idea who any of these people are, because they like show up on <laughs> film, get defeated, and then they're gone. And I'm just like, what is happening? Whereas here, I felt like everyone who was in the movie got enough story points. Yeah, that yeah. is definitely true. Yeah, I didn't feel like there was... Well, other than Hammerboy and Wing Girl, <laughs> yeah. I, di- I didn't feel like there was anybody in the movie who was just, like, not... should Had no story at all. But those guys were there to be mooks. Yeah, exactly. The whole thing with yeah. Shang Tsung constantly talking about how pretty the lady was was weird. I was kind of like, bruh, you got weird taste, but okay. Actually, she kind of looked like, like Emmy Rossum su- from Phantom <laughs> of the Opera, so it was kind of, like, wigging me out a little bit. I thought, um, not I thought, um, it would be funny if in a positive spin, she is very self-conscious about her body. And as a friend, he makes those comments because he knows she won't hear it from anyone else. And it makes her feel good. But then that would require writing that wasn't there. That would require writing that isn't Shang Tsung, too. He's not really the positivity type. Hey, Welcome hey, to Mortal Kombat can... Affirmations. You can enslave an entire <laughs> globe of people, but you can still have friends. <laughs> Thomas Candy Jefferson God. had friends. I came uh, here to destroy the world together. Yeah. <laughs> it is good to have, uh, what are the, uh, those people with forearms? Blood by our side is a very weird way to say, I don't, it doesn't matter to me if you survive this fight. As long as I see your blood on the battlefield, we're good. <laughs> people with forearms? Uh, yeah, the, what, what, the four... what are they called? It's like the Shuru. The wait, wait, are we talking about my boy? No. Yeah, what's oh, his okay. people um, called? The Baraka, he's a no. Tartakin. No, 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 yes. no. Uh, Prince Goro. Oh, oh, four arms, not yes, four arms. arms. That's Goro. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. He is. It's like I sh- want to say Shotokan, but that's a karate. That's a karate school. That's not yeah. right. They definitely it's something um, vaguely Asian. Cheng Sun did call it out, and it seemed. Yeah. I honestly, I loved every single line he gave in that they characterized him as a weirder and more disgusting person. It was very good. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Still no Carrie Hiroyuki Takagawa, who Truth. could have played in this movie too mm-hmm. without a problem. True. But you know, it's true. Okay. And um, I would rate the movie. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm excited to out of ten. Now we can move on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Rowan. I didn't mean to run over it's you okay. there, Rowan. Um. I want to uh, point out a note for time. I know we may want to spend the rest of our time on this, but technically we have not yet covered the last two episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, which we should. But before we do that, thank you so much for telling me about Shadow and Bone. (laughs) You watched it? Crap. I've seen the first five episodes. It has been constant, like... I don't oh, know, really. and then immediately being impressed. So, yeah. so you so, met Milo then, mm, the goat. Mm, 
Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> that was one of my favorite. Like, spoilers for Shadows con- and Bone. Spoilers of Shadows and Bone. There's a goat the- named Milo. <laughs> yeah. Oh the, my that, god. That turnaround of the goats not bait. So- it's for you. Hug the goat was the best yes. thing in the, it, I've ever seen. And so good. Yeah, a goat so soft. That it reminded Jesper that, oh, actually, I am a Olympian-style shooter. <laughs> yeah. can totally fight off literal monsters with simply eagle-eyeing and shooting from the hip. Yep. Jesper is amazing. Yeah. Jesper the is whole... amazing. And in that moment, you could see the gears turn in his head. You could see him arrive at this decision. I am freaked out as fuck, but I am, I'll am i be damned if I let these monsters get my go. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Wait, now you How giving long me have a you been sitting on that one, Rowan? <laughs> All day. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. Now um, you've given me a soft creature to protect. I must go into a completely gay overdrive. <laughs> <laughs> the the um the crows are and the I, best. I like Alina's storyline, but the crows are by far the best part of the show. Oh yeah, um, and that's at least part of the reason why oh, when the team, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah the, when the Leigh nice Bardugo team. wrote the books, after she concluded this story arc, she wrote two books just for the crows. Yeah. Oh, so they were yeah. they were in the original stories as well. Oh yeah. Oh okay, cool. Uh, I haven't actually read the books. Becker, uh, I'm actually okay, not sure. I, I will read the books because the author I, I forgot her name already, but uh, it came on Leigh Bardugo. Was when talking about the TV show said that she. Um, by virtue of it being a while ago and her not having grown as much as a person, wrote a very straight white romance and a lot of, you know, very, very straight, very white characters. So I think a lot of the things that I'm really enjoying about the show will not be there. (laughs) But Is Alina still an orphan of two countries in the Yeah, but she's not Asian. Oh, I have to say that was one of the strongest decisions they've made in this show. Because, like, it's not just fantasy Russia, it's fantasy Eastern Asian, like, uh, seaboard. It's I, I mean, it first... is fantasy Russia, but it's a much smaller fantasy Russia that is part mm-hmm. of the greater Asian community. Yeah. Yes. Um, oh, and maybe Norwegian? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. That's the what the Fjordans are. Yeah. yeah. They're, like, the um, Vikings. Yeah. Yeah, I really... Um, I may not be the person who could best state this, but the way that the show depicts and talks about alienation is one of the most thoughtful treatments of that topic I have seen (laughs) in a fantasy story. So I think they could do more, though. Okay. That's definitely true. So I have to admit, like, the aesthetic of shadow and bone speaking of aesthetic like my god oh, i'm gonna shit. make myself a kefka like tomorrow um the kefta yeah, yeah like a, a grisha kefta oh hell yeah of course which whose colors are you gonna rock are you gonna be a squalor well, so, and okay so here's the thing i was looking I, I was looking at us the other day and i realized that mailing and i sort of kind of look like, like ben can, barnes and the lady who plays alina <laughs> So I think yes, that we have a couple's cosplay there. Yes, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Um, oh, so, you could. so also being Asian American, half Asian, that doesn't necessarily pass for Asian upon first look. I have gotten that question of what are you? Not who are you? What are mm-hmm. you? 
pretty much my entire life. So that was a little triggering for me. I will admit, and I like that they did kind of talk about that, but some of the Asian slurs that were happening in the first episode were really (laughs) jarring and, like, kind of out of nowhere, and we've watched all eight episodes, and her shoeness is not necessarily what she needs to overcome. It's the fact that she's being emotionally manipulated by an immortal mm-hmm. man. Um, and Spoilers. I, I, sorry, Jared. Sorry. No, I know that. Oh, okay. I, I mean, like, dude, that was five, look at Kerrigan and like, how could you not think that yeah. he's a predator? Like, yeah, I would they do a good not great job have been that. happy with this story had they not done that, and I was feeling kind of like, this thing with Alina and Kurrigan is kind of bogus, I'm not into it at all. And then they <laughs> drop that thing and I'm like, nope, 100% back on board. Well, I mean, Ben yeah. Barnes did such a good job of playing him as a fucking bastard from the beginning. Yeah. Like, you Who know that obviously evil. thinks he's a hero, like yeah. his self-regard is exudes. But, but we anyway, totally cut off Milling explaining yes. the, the, her thoughts on the racism in the Thank story, you. and I want to finish that thought. Um, so, I'm really hoping that because this is one of the big changes, and also one of the, the showrunners is um, Asian American as well, and this is kind of like a really important um thing for him and also that the author is like yes if I was to write these books today I would have done this I'm really hoping that in the second season we start to understand why being Shu is so onerous over being Suli or being Zentarin mm-hmm. or being from Zemeni. Uh, Zemeni yeah. or being from one of the other ones. Like, why is it that the fact that she was Shu in the orphanage make it mm-hmm. so awful for her and Mal? You know, like, yeah. And so, and also, why isn't anyone racist against Mal? And yeah. also, yeah, why are all the people. Suli? Yeah, Mal. I don't I actually don't know what Mal officially is. Um, so uh, supposedly the actor is uh, is half Asian, I believe. Yeah. Um, Sup- supposedly, uh, Mal in the orphanage is referred to as a half breed, but yeah. then it never comes up. Right. Mal and is always Ravkin enough to pass in the military. The most jarring thing that happens in the mm-hmm. entire show for me is they have that scene where Zoya uh, goes up and says something super racist and calls her a half breed. And then not 10 seconds later, they show that the man who's been teaching Zoya since she was 10 and clearly holds a lot of her respect is Asian. It's, uh, yeah. And so <laughs> it's a little one... weird. And so that's where I was just like, I, I mean, I get Zoya because she knows that mm. um, Mal was, you know, like had someone else and she like connected it. So it's like a jealousy thing. But it was yeah. also just kind of like... Yeah, I didn't read that as a, I am saying this because I am definitely a racist, she might be, but I took it as more of an, I am needling you so you don't get too comfortable because I hate you. Yeah, Um, it was just weird to hear, because I mean, they could have done, you know, anything there to Mm -hmm. get the same point across, she could have said you don't belong here you know mm-hmm. i'm gonna kill you in your sleep anything that zoya would think <laughs> i'm gonna kill uh, you sure. <laughs> I, um, I definitely see that um 
I would not be aware of uh, some of these things, which certainly painted um, how I took this in. I think another aspect of it is I th- one of the things I'm picking up as a subtext of the show is that the Revka people are um, deeply socially traumatized by the policies of the government, especially with war, to the point where they're very xenophobic. Yeah. But Mm. they don't talk about that enough in the show for Mm. that to be as much of a um, theme as Alina uh, is treated um, with racism almost yeah. everywhere she goes. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's just, it's, I think it's the fact that it doesn't happen to other characters like Mal, right. like Inej, like Jasper, even. I th- um, yeah. yeah. It's, Jasper it's definitely has some like Asian flair to him. Yeah. And definitely and Jasper in another country is still able very, very easily to, um, warm cockles and (laughs) nobody looks at him nobody looks at him sideways so like why is it specifically that the shuhan are anyway go ahead yeah much like in um the witcher i find it interesting and cool and also uh the dragon prince um that they are blending white and African people as part of the same culture without any commentary. Um, and yet, racism is such a big thing of the show. Um, so it there seems to be a lot of uneven treatments. Well, but also, mm. like, Mike and I were talking about it, because, um, mm-hmm. like, the whole go-back-home rice eater or whatever, I was just like... That shocked yeah. me. I was just kind of like, oh my god, that came out of nowhere. And it was completely unwarranted. And then it was like, never really addressed. Like, it didn't start a fight. It it, it could have. Oh, it should like, have. It should like, have. The, the scene that, that that happens in is kid runs into the orphanage and is going to beat up Mal. And she, Alina is just standing between them. So he throws out that slur like he's about to throw down. So she grabs a knife. Yeah. And she's like, I will cut you. And then the matron of the orphanage comes out. Oh, okay. That's right. I forgot that the matron did that. Yeah. So she probably would have killed a bitch. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, um, but like if we establish anything about their relationship, it's you don't touch my boy or I hurt you. And conversely. And oh, my God. Like, Mm -hmm. I am. I'm also so, so happy that they did have the YA trope of, like, you kept the fact that you were a Grisha from me. And I'm like, bitch, she just found out, like, two seconds ago. Yeah. Like, they, also, they, like, they very deftly avoided with Mal and Alina a lot of the stupid stuff I hate in YA romances of, like, people just not communicating. Like, they had, they were mad at each other when they first met because they thought they'd been avoiding each other's letters. But then they talked about it, like adults. And it resolved well and i almost immediately that's something i was actually rather concerned about because it's building up tension that doesn't feel great to hold on to well and i i think it was also a mark that they both realized that they are just pawns in someone else's game Mm -hmm. and so they were like Mm -hmm. that makes sense that they would try and keep us from each other you know and like try and control everything and um yeah i just I am really enjoying it. I I might want to try and pick up the books later, but also I'm just kind of like, mm, 
I think I just kind of want to read about the crows because yeah. their high shit is so good. It was great to hear Jesper call out, "Sweet, we're doing a heist!" <laughs> like I sat up in my chair and was like, "Oh, oh, oh I love this storyline a lot." And they pull multiple heists. They pull a lot of heists, and the heists are complex with individual characters with their own goddamn motivations. It's fascinating. I yeah. I was sad that oh wait that's a spoiler I won't say that. Um, are, are you uh, talking about the thing with the conductor? Because I did see that. Oh okay yeah I am sad that yeah. Porthos that hot Porthos uh, uh, in a suit didn't turn out to be um, good. <laughs> yeah it was just like like yeah, he was fun to I, have around and then he was just not. Yeah. I really liked his character, and I appreciate that he was expended to point out that faith is like a silent, literal, spiritual thing where you cannot see it manifest until it strikes. They're hitting those themes kind of interestingly. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it. I would like to have seen more of him. He was cool. I hope. Yeah. He's Go watch The Musketeers. Episode. As we've recommended oh, yeah. on this podcast before. Yeah, yeah, he plays Porthos, true. and he's like everyone in that show. And also, extremely the, attractive. the commander of the First Army is the commander of the Musketeers. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's good. Playing That's basically good. the exact yeah, same character. Yeah, he was exactly the same character. Uh, they give you information in this show fast. Yeah. And yeah. one of the things I really enjoy is in that fast pace... Some of the information does not make sense and leaves me with a lot of questions. And then a few episodes later, they'll be like, that's because it doesn't make sense in the real story. And people are actually confused about this. I'm like, okay, cool. That tracks. Yeah. <laughs> Rowan, have you read the books? So the only books uh, that I've read that take place in this universe are the two that follow the plot line of the TV series. Uh, the books that I read focus specifically on the crows uh Kaz Inej and Jesper and also technically Zoya, Nina and one other character who I won't spoil. Mm, oh, um, I'm excited. Yeah, so, you know, uh Nina's story seemed so disconnected from everything else. I'm glad she was on the same boat at the end. They could at least like for next season match <laughs> things up. Yeah. I thought for a bit that Nina was going to be a bit character who's like, oh, that's a cool concept. I wish we saw her more. And then, oh yes, we see her more. Yeah. Here's a whole storyline for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really just her backstory because her story takes off in the story about the crows. Okay. Um, oh, I've Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, there there's a lot freaking going on. Well, yeah, because like the plot, the plot of the next two books about specifically the crows is they're going to do a heist on the Fjordan Hellgate where Grisha's stand trial. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) And none of them are Fjordan, so they don't. So they uh... need a Fjordan. It sure would be nice if somebody had one lying around who might be sympathetic (laughs) to. hmm. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) yeah no um i i just also really love the magic system in the creatureverse like yes and also i am not letting bagra off the hook she is just as much to blame for everything Mm -hmm. oh 100 percent yeah 100 percent. yeah and i have to agree yeah oh go ahead um but I, I'm just, I'm really excited for more. Like, I mm-hmm. I yeah. really can't wait. And would you say that the show kind of 
keeps the same feel of the books that you've read or does it like divert greatly? So what I will say is that the character of the crows, I think, was perfectly lifted from the books and put in the show. Um, the books mostly differ in the way that, I mean, obviously there's a difference between a visual medium and the books in terms of like, you miss out on the contents of people's heads. Like Kaz in the, in the two books that I read is a lot more of a character because you get access to his thoughts in the show. You want to get in the show. He has a almost unbreakable mask that never fully changes expression. And normally, I actually yeah. thought I he was going like to be a that. villain when we first met him. Yeah. Uh, he is That is on villain. purpose. He no. Very, he is not. He, no, he is no. He's not a villain. Like an but he very, very he? carefully cultivates that mask and that persona. Because he yeah. is a chess master and he can't afford to let anyone know what he's thinking or feeling because that would be to expose himself. But, I, but literally I've, everything he did in the show, he was because he is so deeply in love with an edge. And you could see that on every moment of the episode. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It's yeah. Oh, oh my. well, who can blame him? An edge is, uh, is uh, no kidding. Is this is definitely the show. A the lot show of people are, is very like, it is it is crazy how impossibly attractive every character on the yes. show is. And Inej, Inej walking on screen was a moment that I was like, oh, they just found every attractive person on Earth. Inej like, <laughs> is also like, her body, she looks exactly like an upper story burglar who can do gymnastic yes. shit. I believe, when she started pulling out the rope routine, I was like, of course this makes sense. Yeah. Of course this makes sense. She'll <laughs> probably also, she could probably kill you with a thrown knife. And then she did that, and I was like, I, I love this character so much. <laughs> well, yeah, I love that scene that they... was... That scene was really important. Like you yes. were talking about how, you know, Kaz, like everything he's, he does pretty much is because he's deeply in, in love with Inej. I liked that they gave that moment time because yeah. Kaz mentions in an earlier episode, Inej can't kill anyone. She, yeah, she's yeah. not supposed to, according to what she believes she should not kill anyone. She cannot take any lives. And then mm -hmm. she kills for him to yeah. save his life. Yeah. Yep. And he knows in that moment what that mean what that meant for her to do that. Yeah. yeah. So like it was that was awesome. Yeah. Which I is, love that whole build up. I love yeah. the and I love I loved how the show really gave everybody, even the Darkling, um, you know, they gave they gave them time to explain their motivations, explain where they were coming from. Uh, it, it's why I'm glad this was a series and not a movie because yeah. Yeah. it just has that time to do it. And yeah. I, I also agree with Jairus. It still moved at a really good yes. clip. Like, I mean, it was fast, it fast, does. fast. And it's when you get down to the last two episodes, just everything just kind of falling into place. And you're like, oh, shit. Like, um, <laughs> it's it's really exciting to kind of see a good YA fantasy series done well and um and again i'm actually really proud of the author for accepting those changes to bring in the question of racism and all the anti-asian sentiment and like one thing that mike and i were talking about when you know i was kind of like i don't know we'll see but <laughs> like i'm a little Ooh. um it's actually 
better not to have like a big bad Asian villain right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. um yeah. because it it could just be that people are racist as fuck and that's like what we'll have to fight against and they did yeah. in later episodes like at the fet they kind of showed the casual racism of of the um rev ravkin ravkins um when Inej is doing her rope routine and someone was like oh yes. i didn't know Zentari zantari could do that and it's like she's suli you know i didn't mm-hmm. know zameni blah 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 blah, blah. and Zo- that, yeah. zoya is like she's suli in a yeah. in a tone that is like you ignoramus yeah, yeah. well really because she might be how the, you know yeah the, um, she probably is kind of span class and race yeah. and you finally get these different kinds of people interacting where they all have the ability to kill each other with a thought mm-hmm. also question why make open deck ships to cross the fold <laughs> yeah well, i agree really okay there are <laughs> but i hadn't so considered until now many good questions <laughs> about why the revka army is as incompetent as it is I mean, it should be drilled in everyone's head there can't be lights here why are there even the means to make lights there yeah that guy was the dumbest person on the entire show like well, it, why would you light literally someone just said if you light a lantern we'll all die and he was like oh i'm gonna light a lantern <laughs> it's dark i'm scared and i'm kind of like the train seems like the right way to do it you know? why was the conductor the only train. person who had this thought <laughs> well no yeah. here's the thing in fact i want to point out two things about that one uh, it seemed obvious to me that the tracks were laid possibly before the thing happened. It right. actually sounded like he was—he laid them he when the it. fold was up, but he just—he had to, you know, he went a little bit at a time through the fold. How, How the fuck? Very, very carefully. carefully. This is why the tracks weren't finished. Yeah, because yeah, like, I think he—I think he that. went from both sides and mm-hmm. then was like, okay, I can't go any further. I also Bible just kind of love the magic physics of the unsee. Yes. You know, that it was like ships, yeah. but it, they were on giant, like, sleds sort of things, and then having mm-hmm. the squallers. Mm-hmm. Like, that part I was really cool, but then I was like, why an open deck ship? This seems right. stupid. <laughs> so, the only... It, it, I can mm-hmm. only think of two reasons. One is they need the ships to be light enough that a squalor blowing wind into a sail can make the ship move across the place. And also the squalor has to have access to wind around them and be able to point hand at sail to make thing go. So at least that person would always be exposed no matter what. Unless they were inside the ship and the sail was just above them and they directed wind just outside yeah. the ship yeah, yeah. You, and honestly you a smarter way think, of doing why not bring a been... chain next time just well, bring a chain lay the chain down right. just... and then all you have to do is have a covered thing where you pull the chain y- yeah exactly. okay yeah so they could have done a covered design and used uh materialki to just like crank gears or wheels sure, to make the thing yeah. go they could have used uh tide whatever's the water people in order to do the same fucking thing no is boat there used to be right. water here we use boat yeah, I definitely get the scent. Like the theme that was spoken to me was that this army is way over its head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but um, I just to, I loved yes. everything about the costuming. It was so yes. like communist chic. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But yeah, although technically just pre-communist, yeah, very, mm-hmm. yeah. But like, what was uh, great is when you see like the first army, like the first couple of episodes, it is so like army, you know, and mm-hmm. and just We're like grimy and shit and lived in. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was functional and except like the ladies wearing the little heeled boots. Come on, for serious, right? In war, yeah, yeah I'm like. Pfft. In war, in the dirt. Bitch, mm-hmm. get, get yourself some combat boots. But, yeah. whatever. That's just my own it's personal a, thing. At thing least it wasn't um, stiletto heels or a wedge heel. I would have, like, yeah. lost my shit if I saw a wedge heel. Um, but then you see the upper echelon army, the first army with the, the pillows. The second army, the Grisha. Oh, sorry, the second army with the, the grapes and the figs and stuff like that. And that's where you're like, oh, communism isn't true. <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're not all in this together. There is a definite disconnect. Mm-hmm. And I love how they also explain why that divide mm-hmm. happens. And it's mm-hmm. very delicious. So Weird, like, American Revolution, but what if Russia was the mother country thing going on in West Ravka that I find very enjoyable. Yes. Um, yeah. Even if the general seems like kind of a dick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, they perfectly set up that storyline by which uh, the conductor turns evil. I really enjoyed it when Kaz was like, oh, you think the only... The only two people who could ever profit off of the existence of the void would want to kill the one person who could end it. Hmm, I wonder why that might be. Like, I thought, damn. Why why would those two people hang out? Hmm. (laughs) This story is kind of tight. Yeah. Uh, To circle back for a second to something, Mailing, you said about the magic. I agree the tone of the magic and the, like, um, almost romanticism, nationalistic feel of it the way that it calls on the nation's early culture and there's this religion that developed around it but the magic itself has these like weird no class everyone is the same in this one thing overtones there's a lot of complex stuff going on there and Mm. i'm i really enjoy that well i also love that they yes they have the um fire people the wind people i know that there are no earthbenders but you know i'm sure i feel like they exist but i don't remember what the name i think i'm sure they're like farmers you know well the closest equivalent that they have besides the fabricators are the materialki who specifically work with materials uh the um nope can't talk about that because that's in episode six (laughs) uh yeah i appreciate it but yeah, there there are there are magic people who work specifically with materials and things that can come from the earth. Um, yeah. I have a question for everybody. Yes. I might have an um, answer. Have so all y'all have seen uh, Jesper's gunfight in the laundry room with the heart render, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, in the oh, laundry wait, or is room with that the episode heart six? render. I think that's episode six. As I no, because that's before um they get away. 
Okay. In the laundry room. Actually, Jers, have they have they mm. left the little palace yet? They just pulled out. So Jesper's luck is kind of amazing. <laughs> oh yes, I, that is the best. I I like yeah. Seeing that ending, I was like, wait, is Jesper a luck, Grisha? Yes. What's going on here? That's um, fantastic. He has excellent luck. He's not a luck. Grisha, and that is as much as I am willing oh, to say oh, on the subject. I, under, I saw the 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 emphasis you put there. Ooh, ooh, I'm excited. Um, I, I think, cannot wait I as think, well. <laughs> I think the laundry room thing happened. It happened at the little palace. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it happened then in the little maybe palace. Maybe I saw it, and it's not. It was the uh, laundry instead of laundry room. You might be thinking it, it was no, the no, place no, no, with no, all no. the sheets. It's, it's probably not. Th- there are a bunch of sheets hanging, but it's not the laundry room because at the little palace, all Jesper does is sleep with a stable hand, steal some horses, wait. Oh yeah. See okay. Alina climb into a box mm-hmm. and just be yeah. like, what? <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, yeah, so like, I don't think it's the there. saints. <laughs> uh, I have to say, Alina's power set background, a lot of her themes, she's c- very much a hero after my own heart. I wasn't sure what I thought about her abilities and what they'd set up, and then the way they depict sun magic is exactly the way I imagine and describe it in role playing games, and I'm like, yep. oh, oh, I. I love this character. <laughs> I mean, I will admit, with the like hand motions and stuff, I got a lot of like Avatar: The Last Airbender feels, and I was like, "This yeah. is what a good live-action Airbender movie would look like." <laughs> My right? brain well, when all the elements yeah. started busting out at the beginning, mm-hmm. yeah, I was like, "When oh, the material oh, key are uh, moving the uh, the metal." magnetic door um i was like oh this is like the dai li okay this is very cool yeah. <laughs> there's no war in bossing say no war in bossing say no bo- war in revka no war in revka there Dark is one Ravka. died a long time there ago. is no east there is no west there west. is one Ravka. Ravka. the fold yes. is a minor inconvenience <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh um, yeah so I, I can't wait to catch up with you folks. I'm really The ending of the show this. is very satisfying oh, and very sets good. up a second season very well. Very well. well. Good. So. Good. I I I mean I enjoy all things uh fantasy heist, love blades in the dark, love mm-hmm. gentlemen bastards. The heist in this is good. So there's a um, shadow and bone um skin on Blades of the Dark. Yeah, and I uh, was Why thinking of running it after, after Rowan's <laughs> done with uh, uh, Kids on Brooms. I was thinking that might be what I do. Uh, that would be, oh, that that would be, be really good. I would, I would love to play a sum- Sun Summoner in a slightly different time or setting. I'm trying to think what Grisha I would want to be. And I get stuck between a Fabricator and maybe a Heart Render. But then again, blood bending is bad, but not as but, well. Actually, also mind magic is really bad. Yeah. So, <laughs> so heart renders powers are frightening. They yeah, are frightening, like which is why people are scared of them. But as Nina yeah. very explicitly states, you can use those powers to heal. You can use them to keep a person from freezing to death. Yeah. You yep. can calm a person down who's having a panic attack. It's yeah. But then really... again, you can also use Liu Kang's powers to save someone from freezing to death, apparently. 
Y- yes. yes. Yes, and Inferni can do that task too. <laughs> that, 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 I was just I sorry, I was just reminded of that part in the movie where he's like, I will keep you warm, and then lights up a fucking fireball in his hands, and I'm like, Okay. <laughs> I mean, if I were cold and someone's like, the only way I could keep you warm is by showing you some close up magic that's actual real magic. I would well, what am I saying? Close up magic is real magic. Um <laughs> I I would be fawning as well. Oh. And because I'm so cold. So what sort of uh, Grisha show would you guys be? Oh, definitely Sun Summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's no question about it whatsoever. Yeah. I Yeah, I, I would be a firebender in Avatar for sure, but yeah. I don't think I would be a Rowan, Inferni. what are they called? Inferni. Inferni. I would probably be um See, you can't be a. It seems like you can't be a shadow summoner without being evil. But their power set is really cool. So <laughs> the thing about shadow the shadow summoners summon. is that in the present state of the world in the show, there's two of them. There's yeah. the mom yeah. and there's the son, and they've been around forever. And there's not going to be any more of them because the mom ain't having any more kids because the first one turned out so great. And. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And the kid is kind of full of spit and vinegar and malice. Um, (laughs) So like, yeah. So for our blades in the dark game, there could certainly be some kind of shadow summoner who is not a douchebag. It would be very interesting to be uh, Grisha criminals who are all using their powers for personal gain. Be Grisha, do crimes. Or maybe to save an orphanage through crimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, that's that's kind of the thing. They've set up this world where Grisha, as far as we know, can only exist in Ravka without being treated like horrible witches. But because they're in Ravka, there's always the threat of people coming down from the north and just murdering them or hauling them off. We mm-hmm. I, we haven't really gotten to see how they're treated in other countries. Um, is Ketterdam in Ravka? Uh, no, Ketterdam no, is part of uh, Kesh. Was that the because, name of the place? Because they're definitely there. There are definite heart renders working the brothels. Yeah, you basically know, the the rule in Ketterdam is everybody's got to work. If yeah. you have a skill set, we'll pay you to use it, but yeah. not enough to get out of the gutter you're in. Well, and but it's also probably like kind of a, a sense of protection. It's like you know, if you're on my payroll and you do well, I'll protect you from getting hauled off to the frozen yeah. north. Yeah. Their indentured servitude system also very much mimics yeah. the early English indentured servitude system yes. of uh, and the Ketterdam, South. Ketterdam is an island off of the coast of Kesh. It is, I think, yeah. supposed to mirror that sort of early industrial a, England. Yeah, it has a very England um, uh, Dutch feel to the way that economy and culture works. Oh my yeah. god, what Kaz hands over the deed to the Crow Club. Right. I was just oh, like, man. Inej, if you knew what he just there, did. Like, but I mean, so honestly, moments. most of his plan was, she will never know about this, it'll be fine. I, I can afford to gamble on this. Yeah. But, how it reads is Inej is my everything. The crow club is worth this. Yeah. I would do this a million times over. Well, and I think he would. 
I think he yeah. would. And that's why, like, yeah, we can't really talk about it, but there's some good stuff coming. So Yes. Yes, there is. I cannot wait. I did not predict at all that there would be a romance between those two, but I'm rather glad because they're both really cute and I want to see them kiss. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be waiting a little longer for that yeah, if that's will. what you're waiting oh, for. Dang. Oh. But there's definitely At some meaningful stares. There's, there's a lot of meaningful stares. And speaking of like OTP, Max, Mal, and Alina, like I love that idea of I will always find you. Yeah. And mm-hmm. just. And that's I still coming know... up for you, Jairus. What? That's still coming up for you, Jairus. Some of that stuff. But, yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, but like, I, their I just want to know. To me. Their relationship is interesting to me. Not always. Like, it's not. To- it is clear that they are deeply, deeply care for each other, but it's not entirely clear that they're um, like, uh, you know. Romantic. Romantic. Uh, romantic, yeah. yeah. Like, it could just be brother One and of sister. the things I do really like about their relationship is that while there are hints that there might be romance, that's not the important part of their connection. Yeah. The intensity, the history, and the the trust in each other's humanity against a world that doesn't treat them that way is far more they essential. They feel like they have the connection that Jaeger pilots have. Uh, yes. You know, yes. like it's that really like deep, I know everything you're about to do before you do it. And it could potentially be romantic, but yet it is a much deeper connection than a purely physical romantic thing. Does that make sense? I have, it does. I have a theory about that, but which you may already know, or it may be something only Rowan knows, (laughs) is because of the way they set up the logic of the show by the episode I'm on, it is not out of the question that um, uh, Mal could also be a Grisha. Does Mal have magic power that allows him to hear the rhythm of magic around him? We think that... Mailing and I think that he's a Grisha. We are yeah. unsure if that gets confirmed later. I oh, wouldn't okay. know. He's not in the two books that I read. Really? Ah, okay. Because okay. the w- he starts talking about like hearing... The, the sound of her and when they meet up for the first time in the camp um, the sense of security and soothing that he has with that slight tone that they play when he's finally in her um, presence Maybe thank god he's thanks for that pause <laughs> yeah, that was a very that was when a he's hell finally of a pause in her when he's presence. finally in her when, when they're finally in their prison presence um <laughs> It really seemed as if he has the ability to sense magic as a sound. Um, Well, and I mean, he's a very good tracker, and he's always been a good tracker, and... And he weirdly has this tendency of surviving things that should definitely, definitely kill him. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I mean, he's never gotten tested, so... Okay, so you know how, like, when she got tested, like, a giant sunbeam came out? I'm imagining, like, mm. for the Infernae, it's, like, fire or whatever. For, like, heart renders, is it just, like, blood? <laughs> like, blood, but more! <laughs> like, 
maybe the blood starts moving around in like obviously sentient patterns. Where, they, uh, honestly, they might answer that in the books, and that would be one of the things that would be worth reading the books to find yeah. out. Well, be, because I was like, it's really cool, but I'm also just like that. That could get really messy, and I'm just imagining like it squirts, and you're just like, all right, so uh, heart render. Yeah, there's there's that, and then there's like. So we scratched him and like dirt poured out. Now he's got the tetanus. So he's a materiaki, but you're going to have to wait for a minute. <laughs> There's like just um, gears pop out. <laughs> all these filaments and uh, iron shingles. I ha- Okay, I have to ask. Uh, the, the healer for the Grisha, is she a heart render? Is that a different power? Yeah, heart healer render is the healer. Okay, so heart renders oh, do have biological yeah. control. Biomagic is heart rending. Yes. Yeah. The okay. fucking nuance that they use to show what it means to look differently because you have the power to do it and now it's expected that you will look perfect mm, that was a theme i really enjoyed yeah is, so is a tailor is, a type of heart render too, a tailor is, is that... a type of heart render it's a specialized version okay so heart yeah. renders can be tailors they can be healers they can be combat specialists um <laughs> but, you know, yeah, yeah 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 and is that more dependent on their training or is that more dependent is that something they they gain as they grow i'm not sure there's been like at least a few scenes that i've seen that seem to indicate that um there's at least a little bit of personal affinity that goes into uh which way a person goes but i would assume that if you have the training you can do pretty much any of them yeah okay yeah because nina Um, is a heart render and she's been trained as a spy so she's at least a little bit of a dabbler and lots of yeah. areas there does seem to be a good thematic pairing of when we get to learn a character their abilities make a lot of sense like i don't know that i understand all of jesper's abilities but jesper's character seems to be almost completely unpacked or based <laughs> off of the aesthetic of those abilities um alina is very much like a person out of place, like a light in a dark context sort of a thing where she represents this strange innocence that allows her to She's like what people say, Oh, you're very sensitive. The, the cruelties of the world weigh on you, which is very true for her, but also like, um, she, everyone keeps placing these ideas on her, almost like sunspots or solar lensing and things, where they want her, her sun to be the sun in their imagination. I, just, I don't, I really like the religious magic theme that's yeah. going on. Mm-hmm. And the way that the politics are like, yes, you will solve this problem for us, or you will be this thing in my clan. And her arc now becomes, who am I to meet? Yeah. <laughs> Did yeah. someone tell I'll, me to do oh, something? I can't wait for I'm you. not doing that. I can't <laughs> wait until you finish the series, Jairus, based on what you just said. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm seeing a lot of these things, and I'm eating it up. Yeah. Um, it was it yeah. was it, it was a lovely the series was a lovely surprise for me in the same way something like Julie and the Phantoms was a lovely surprise where I didn't know yes. anything about it. I started watching it, and I yes. started watching it, and it was just so good and so gripping and i knew nothing about it before it happened and it was wonderful wait jaris did you watch yeah. julian the phantoms no oh okay 
I highly recommend it. Also, like once you finish Shadow and Bone, and if you want another feel-good series that is way better than it has any right to be. Also, the music slaps in Julie and the Phantoms. Ooh, that is a requirement. It's it's really it's it's really a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, no, I I'm actually really excited and well done, trailer people, because we kept seeing the trailer going. This kind of looks like it ticks off all of our boxes. Yeah. <laughs> we should check it out. Look, you know what? It's on Netflix. It's pandemic, baby. If we don't like it, we can just always not. And then, like, literally, we had to st- pace ourselves for two episodes a day, max. Because we would have we would have We would have just watched day, it. Like Rowan like, did. In a day. Y- yeah. yeah. <laughs> if work had yeah. not been uh, that so was a, That was a hilarious week, Discord conversation of Rowan finished. being like, maybe... Maybe I'll watch it then. Okay, I'll I'll give it a few episodes and then I finished it. <laughs> there were hours. Um, there were eight whole hours in between those two things. Oh, for sure. I <laughs> said sure. at least two other things. <laughs> <laughs> but no. So excellent. I I know we have probably already been doing this for a bit, but I would like us to talk on uh, talk Winter, Soldier. Winter Soldier before it's no longer fresh in our minds. Mm. Um, I would like to say something before we get started. Um, Yes. uh, I've seen on Twitter, at least, that a lot of the African-American community is really disappointed in the series for certain things that happened in the finale. Mm -hmm. Um, So us as four at least kind of white people uh we're probably gonna say some things that you you know if that you will disagree with yes you were Uh, allowed to feel free to talk to us about that but yes we're we're sorry in advance if we say anything super stupid yeah (laughs) we're just which is almost a guarantee with that eye i'm sorry we're human there is a (laughs) theme that i heard about that i suspected and i talked with some um uh, black fans who are friends of mine what they thought and they agreed that there was definitely something problematic but we will get into it yeah um just to note we're talking about both of the last episodes because we haven't yet commented on either one yeah so that's five and um, six i would say despite what um rotten tomatoes say those were my two favorite episodes uh they were the two strongest the stuff i was hoping and wanted to see happen kind of happened um yeah, I would say the second but, to last episode is probably my favorite just for the boat fixing montage. Yeah. Oh god, so good. So good. Two montages. Yeah. Yeah, and so, uh, so... Bucky being like, Hi, my name's Bucky to uh Sam's <laughs> sister and he was like, yeah. I'll kill you. <laughs> Something I wanna point out about that period of time. Bucky while sleeping over at the uh um why can't I remember their last the name? Wilson's the Wilson's house. The Wilson's house slept on the couch and woke up smiling. Yep. Uh, well, because he'd never so slept good. on a freaking bed before. Did you see his apartment? It was just the yeah. floor. <laughs> like, it, there's so many... He smiled more. They did so much to show that they really were bonding. They did so much to show... Not only that Sam was really developing himself until he felt he was ready to be Captain America, but also Sam's advice to Bucky was extremely, yeah, I'm a professional uh, community support therapist who helps people who go through what you've gone through. Like, it was very real. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Anyone else? Uh, Kind of 
uh, coming off of that, I've uh, seen some stuff on the internet, uh, African-American people talking about why it's so hard to discuss difficult topics like politics with white people. And part of it, according to this take, is that although in African-American communities they have a thing called real talk, like mm-hmm. you can just say, hey, can we can we talk straight for a minute? Can we be real about this? And then talk about a difficult subject without blowing up at each other, walking off, just... Com- just sitting with the truth of the thing and trying to deal with it and move forward from there. Um, and white people not having that makes it really hard to talk about real and difficult subjects because they take it personally. Yeah. It sounds Mm. like me. Yeah. (laughs) There's definitely this thing in a lot of European American culture, though different in different European cultures, uh, that influence immigrants, um, of, everything kind of being political in the small p sense where everything's a power struggle and needing to put on masks. So like you don't talk about racism. If it's a quote unquote source spot in the family, you don't talk about how much you're paid and they kind of exist to alienate people from having to deal with difficult things. Um, that gives, I, I have certainly seen this in my own family, a lot of practice for creating a, persona and a caricature of who you are in these in various family contexts so i believe that 100 percent. well yeah honestly that's why i also really liked what sam was saying to the senator and to the bank the world bank manager being like yeah i don't get how complex it is but then again neither do you you haven't thought to listen to what the other side is trying to say or Mm. ask why a teenager is standing against you yeah um but my my point in bringing up the real Mm -hmm. talk thing is is in that Mm -hmm. scene in episode five sam gets into some real talk with bucky and he's like if you want to get where you're trying to get you're gonna have to do the work yeah and bucky sits with that and thinks about it and goes okay and he makes that commitment and he moves forward Spoilers. from there and they both it's get painful. to grow and that was yeah. that was nice to see but but yeah, yeah the in that second scene with with Sam calling the big wigs of the political world all the way out on their bullshit. That is another thing I think we talked about last week. One of the things Captain America is for is speaking truth to power. The one thing I did like about the series is, and I think I called this out, I said that they should do this, or I was hoping they would do this, is that storylines like this in Captain America stories usually end with Captain America saying, the people that I have been antagonizing throughout the story have the right idea and you should listen to them. Um, They did that here, which was amazing, but to do it, they killed Carly. And that was entirely unnecessary. Well, and the worst part about that was, and this is kind of what about ism, but they killed Carly and redeemed John Walker. That was horrible. That sucks. (laughs) Yeah, you never want Captain America to be on the side of U.S. agent against people that Captain America thinks is right. Like it, it was, although 
very accurate to how America treats yeah. proto-fascistic elements like John Walker. Well, that's actually was something I was surprised that we talked about this a little um, a couple of uh, weeks ago. Um, that you know the uh, um, how the show responded to John Walker's actions would really determine um, what they were trying to say. Right. And they responded by having John Walker be punished. And I think, I think you're right. I think that absolutely a hundred percent is not what would happen in America. Yeah. Um, I think you, we'd get a ton of media spin to make mm. him, you know, make him feel like or make there would feel be like he's people saying, Hey, I'm on his side in yeah. this. He did the right thing. Yeah. And in the meantime, yeah. they would continue to field him aggressively. Yeah. Yes. And instead of leading into that, they instead had him stripped of his power, come back as a crazy person, and then was like, oh, but he's a good guy now. Yeah, he he was acting without authority. He was definitely acting beyond his ability. There was not a lot of good thematic reasons why he should have been in that fight and why he should have been depicted as heroic as he was. His apparent motivation was, I gotta get revenge on Carly for killing my buddy. Yeah, right. and then he was sort of um validated in well, that yes yeah he absolutely was i'm very upset about it yeah. the other thing is that they made a lot of hay about carly might be killing these important um uh political people and oh they're almost going to die oh but john walker saved them would have made a lot more emotional sense if you hadn't already shown her killing soldiers in an act of terrorism right that is like we've went to 100 and now we're at 80 in the finale that wasn't a correct build-up well and also like one thing that she was saying you know like if we die there will be others to take up our cause and i was also kind of like girl if you kill all the politicians more politicians will just come forward pushing the exact yeah. same agenda. Like, right, like stopping, what is your cause in this Yeah, moment? stopping this vote and sacrificing yourself to stop this vote is not ending the cause, is, is not ending the problem. Mm. And, I- like, I, and again, that's why I felt like in the speech it was kind of important where it was like, can we all just sit down and talk about it yeah. because I think it also brought up a good point that the world is in trauma. It's a post-trauma world that, you know, this horrific thing happened, half the world blipped out of existence and now they're back. But it was like a significant amount of time. Five years is a significant amount of time for something to happen. And no one has really had a chance to the world hasn't had a chance to kind of sit with like okay what do we do now instead it was just very reactionary of like well people deserve to go back to their original homes well what about the people who were displaced you, you know like yeah the people who came in and took over those homes yeah. because there was room and people wanted people to live there so yeah. there's there's a lot of interesting themes that could be talked about in the post snap MCU but yet at the same time these are really deep real world real issues. real intense issues 
that are actually happening in the world right now. And so they have to be handled with delicacy and um, respect, race and respect, yeah. you know? Um, and I think the people who made this show, I think some people who made this show were looking to do that. And some people who made this show just wanted to make, I think, I, I think I said this a couple weeks ago, yeah, an 80s buddy cop action writing. movie. Yeah. And, and those, I, I, those you know, two angles kind of clash with each other sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, they do. I also feel like unbeknownst to the writers and the creators, um, Carly's play and her desire to use violence to go to a place of political power and stop a vote from happening for a um, fearic victory plays a lot differently after January 6th. Yeah. It it really is not i mean it's hard to say it's unfortunate they chose to make her do that because i feel a lot of the choices they made with carly are not just unfortunate they come with this uh, i mean i i can't talk to this show with my um anarchist friends they know they are the bad guys in the show right yeah yeah and that was the thing like it was other than it, it carly was a sympathetic good guy throughout the entire show, even when mm-hmm. she was murdering folks. Um, and so it was, it was hard. It, it always felt the, the murder stuff always felt tacked on. It never yes. felt true to her character. And it, uh, maybe it's just because um, that actress is so very good at playing the kind so of good. this kind of role and just a very good actress. Um, I don't know. Also, can we talk about the big elephant in the room that Peggy Carter is going to rise from her grave and beat the shit out of her granddaughter? (laughs) I have to say I only a little expected that. It did seem set up that she was the power broker, but also like, why? Yeah, Uh, because the country betrayed her and she went and found a way to make money. But I guess that means she was always kind of shitty. I don't know. Yeah, it like seeing I mean Carly I feel and like... her people's background as her muscle now sounds a l- very different once we come to understand who Carter is in by yeah. her the last episode. Yeah. I, I will say I feel like I'm glad they did something with her because I feel like Sharon Carter, Captain America's girlfriend, is not really much of a character. Now maybe she has an amazing comic book history that I'm not aware of. Um but at least in Winter Soldier and Civil War, she was just kind of, you know, there, there to be there. Yeah. yeah. So it's good that she has more story. It's but a I little... just wish it wasn't this story. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I get you. Agent Carter was one of the best Marvel shows for a while and like I mean most of that I would say still is yeah yeah and like it was just so amazing to see a capable woman who could still wear high heels but yet take care of business and competent intelligent didn't need anybody to do anything for her still femme still feminine you know like that Mm -hmm. that was just so amazing because like so often whenever you have like the badass woman she's in like a leather cat suit and she like you know always has her hair and like a really severe braid or like you know the big shoulder pads 
But like Peggy was just amazing. Like she was just a professional. so, so amazing. And just to see like what her granddaughter do this, I'm just like, no. And then to have the name Agent Carter, I was like, oh, you, you well, especially, spit that Especially out. because, you know, in a previous movie, they gave her this, the Captain America speech uh, to give from Peggy, the, the no you move moment. Right. Um, I like that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe there'll be something else, but I do have to say, I, I actually just thought about it, but... It is kind of interesting the different style of Captain America between Sam and John Walker. Because John Walker is an attack dog. He True. waits for orders, he does his orders, and he, like, even as a US agent, the Contessa was like, keep your phone on, you know, answer your phone when I call. So, like, it's her calling the shots. He is not his mm-hmm. own free agent. Whereas Sam is going to do what Sam deems is necessary. And yep. yeah. Yeah. Rowan. I, they did a lot in this. Sh- oh, go ahead, Rowan. No, Sorry. no, go ahead. I was just going to say they did a lot in the show to make some kind of moral play for the benefit of being a free agent. But it, it wasn't clear until the very last episode what that moral backing was or meant. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very we're, clear we're, throughout John Walker's story that he is used to being someone else's soldier. He's given orders. He fulfills the orders. He yeah. might have and then misgivings. he doesn't understand why things people don't like it when he does that. Well, there's that part of it. And then there's also people don't like me when I am trying to make them happy doing what I've always done, which is murder people for other people. Um, yeah. I... It seems very clear to me that he does not trust his own judgment in in making decisions in any kind of uh, combat situation, which, fair, <laughs> look at what he's done. He knows it, but he's also not willing to stop, because mm-hmm. that would require him to become something else. And so he's very happy. for one. Yeah, so he's very happy at the end, being yeah. somebody else's soldier again. Yeah. Which is probably why he will end up becoming an agent of Hydra, who I am certain that Contessa is a representative well, of. Well, Contessa is Madame Hydra in the comics right now, but she's yeah. also a, a character from, like, the 40s, I guess. Like, she was originally, uh, I think, Nick Fury's right-hand lady back in the day. Not the 40s, the 60s, sorry. Mm, but yeah, a while yeah. ago. Well, and that is kind of a condition of a lot of army veterans when they come back from war and they are decommissioned um, either through their own choice or through the fact that they don't don't make promotion and so then they're given you know honorable discharge it's kind of like what do you do when all you've known is like this one life and so it makes sense why at the end he's just elated. He's like, I have a job. I have a job that I know how to do. And yeah. so also it's going to be really interesting to see how Bucky deals with that exact same thing of like, he's no longer the winter soldier anymore. 
And he's mm-hmm. been doing this for like 50 some odd years. So like, it's going to be interesting mm-hmm. to see how he takes that next step. He said he was a hundred and something, so more than Seven. fifty years. So Jesus, like seventy yeah, yeah. Well, see, some odd years, like yeah, seventy years. Well, and we also saw here that he remembers everything. Yeah, yeah. You know, Man, the Winter Soldier made a lot rough. more sense back in the comics when it was the seventies or something. When did um, Bucky come back as the Winter Soldier in the comics? Like in the World War Two thousand two thousand. Oh shit! Really? Yeah, that was okay, really. Okay, so he recent. was always an immortal man. Um, yeah. Speaking of trauma, and of stuff that perhaps we are not the best to talk about, my personal journey of seeing uh, Isaiah's storyline ending was, oh wow, um, he is finally able to be seen as a hero that's incredible and then around the end of that scene when he's acting happy it clicked wait didn't he tell sam to literally not do this exact thing yeah i think he told sam don't tell them about me why is he oh oh (laughs) i think the idea that they were trying to get across was that he didn't believe the world would relau- would allow a black captain america and sam proved that that you know he could step up and take that mantle yeah and that made him feel more okay with being recognized but i don't know yeah was so, there a we'll death see. date on the isaiah um on the the plaque on the memorial i don't think um, so, I don't no. think so. okay because that would have been, been a great way to do it that it's like he's dead And it only would have taken a second of line, uh, like, Grandpa, this says that you died in the 1990s. (laughs) Yeah, I did. He looks at Sam, and Sam's like, and they'll never come calling at your door. That That would have really helped. Yeah. 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 Instead, what we get is, I told you never to tell anyone about me, because I was pretty sure they would have just started up their same shit. Bullshit, yeah. Right, recaptured me. Yeah, for one recap recaptured me, uh, persecuted me, treated me, given me too goddamn much attention. I have earned some peace and quiet. Um, it, um, that I, was one of those things that I think. Yeah, it doesn't make a ton of sense, yeah. but they wanted to really go for that full feel good moment, especially because Isaiah's story is so fucking dark in the comics. Yeah, um, yeah. Sam was trying to do yeah. the your sacrifice was too great to be ignored, and I'm not going to let anyone forget what you were forced to give up for this country, which. Yeah. OK, but also did not ask for permission. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, that that part was. I can see why people are upset. Um, I would also say that they didn't do a lot philosophically to make the argument of why um, Captain America can be black and America will accept it. It seemed to hinge on sheer, sheerly of my willpower. I will accept the fact that I will be hated and do it anyway. Yeah, which and I think that's a the... strong argument, but also not very in depth. Yeah. I think but I think that was what they were going for is that Sam decided that it didn't matter what the world thought 
or whether people were ready for it, it mm-hmm. was time. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose that in in a conversation where the question is, how can we as... Bl- nope. Uh, how can African Americans come to believe in the institution of the United States? The answer seems to be by choosing to recommit, by choosing to believe in it, despite what has been done and i can see why some people were not as satisfied but it also made sam out to be an exceptionally uh like steel nerved captain america yeah much more so than um because like we get that hint with um uh, chris evans nope um yeah chris evans was the other captain america john walker chris evans no uh, no, I I mean his real name. Steve uh, Rogers. Thank you. Steve Rogers <laughs> can show well. Not his powers. real name, his real name. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Steve Rogers shows that willpower for love of his friends like Bucky and that kind of thing. But this is very different because Steve Rogers had a super serum behind him and like... Sam never gets that. Yeah. Yeah. And and I was really glad that Sam never got that. That was a nice thing. Yeah. I it does feel good that his tech comes from Wakanda. It kind yeah. of underlines the Black Panther theme of uh African culture and just African futurism being at the benefit of all pan-diasporic African people. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That I mean definitely a theme they needed to underline yeah um one more theme that i wanted to call out was uh just the very big difference that we get to see uh in terms of what happens when the government foists the responsibility for being captain america on someone versus what happens when someone makes the choice to take up that mantle yeah yes that i appreciated that quite a bit that was a theme i could really get behind well, and it, so it, we don't, oh, it also Sorry. kind of brings up the whole idea that it was also alluded to in WandaVision of um, the uh, sentient weapon sword. What does sword stand for? Sentient weapon organization. Se- sentient weapon observation and, and research division. Thank and you. research division sentient weapon superpower weapons so showing that like you cannot put a superhero mantle on someone and then force them to do the will of your government like they have to make that choice so it's going to be interesting to see what type of storylines come down the line of this whole idea of kind of like destiny being the destiny part of the hero's journey and like, you know, making that. And also like with the new, uh, Oh God, the new Asian dude. Uh, sorry. Well, yeah, Loki too. I'm excited for that. Uh, um, Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. Yeah. Um, the nine, you know, that's, that's kind of like the master of Kung Fu. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. that's probably going to be another like destiny heavy sort of situation. Um, yeah. So it, it'll be really really interesting to see kind of where they go with that. 
Um, I agree. It's very interesting that we're in a setting in which the Sokovian Accords exist, but all of these characters are doing things that are obviously not sanctioned by them. Someone uh, pointed me to a post that explained in great detail how the movie Civil War makes it uh, under written like subtext very clear that peter parker is fighting for the wrong side i didn't realize that when jjj uh reveals peter parker's identity he is revealing that peter parker is a five-time breaker of the sokovian accords and should be in like according to the law should be in the raft Oh, no. (laughs) This is going to be a very spicy next Spider-Man movie we get. That explains why the next one is called No Way Home. Yeah. Right, because he's so illegal right now. Yeah. Also, I hadn't realized until very recently that this run of Spider-Man's home has been in the subtitle of every movie. Yes, that's why we're all really hoping for Home Alone. Oh, God, (laughs) Spider-Man Home Alone, that would be wonderful. I want it so bad. Even if it's just a short of Spider-Man having to defend Avengers Tower or Avengers Compound or whatever with a bunch of... uh, Traps. uh, A bunch of, like, homemade Peter Parker traps and gadgets. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. So as I was playing Miles Morales' Spider-Man the other day, because uh, the fusion... Like, every now and then, she'll just randomly be like, I want to play Spider-Man. But we've already beaten the game, so it's just kind of like web-slinging Yeah, we've beaten around. both Spider-Mans, unlike Jairus, who can't even beat one. Yeah. I, I got a little bit further. I want my PS4 back. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get it. You're gonna get it. I'm, pro- I'm looking at it right now. It's yours. You can have it back. I will probably buy myself a new one so that I can finish this game. Well, you just finish the game and then give me the PS4. But, That's the deal. as I was saying... That would be smart. <laughs> I, was cl- I was climbing up to the top of Avengers Tower because, basically, she asked me to go to the tallest building. And I was thinking about it. I was like, why do the Avengers need this big-ass tower? Or is this just Tony Stark being like, look at how giant my tower is? That is a very Yeah, yeah I don't Stark know who, thing. like, the staff for the Avengers are. I assume there's, like, a PR department, but... But, I mean, like, it can't be the entire freaking tower. And, like, I guess Bruce Banner maybe has a floor for R&D? Or several, now that Tony is dead. <laughs> But yeah, there's probably a lot of floors of R&D in the Avengers R&D, towers. and then I guess there's probably like a big-ass basement bunker full Gym. of like lasers and stuff for yeah. like fight. Training, training courses. Training, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Man, do you know how many times New York almost exploded because someone in some building <laughs> in the comics just was the center of plot? Uh-huh. Um, we should wrap things up. Can yes. we do a quick round of things we've been doing lately? Yeah. Uh, yes, I would love to go first. Um, Trace. The, uh, normally I would talk about the video game I've been playing during this podcast. Uh, this week it was Mortal Kombat 11, because uh, I got Very that on nice. the brain. I'm, uh, in fact, speaking of brains, I'm looking at Baraka eating one right now. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but I actually want to talk about a new uh, free online browser game I've discovered. Uh, called Journey of Wrestling. Um, it is it is uh, journeyofwrestling.com, uh, and it is a um, uh, wrestling professional wrestling booking simulator. Uh, there's been a lot of these over the years, but Journey of is the best one that I've found so far, and it's it's really really fun. Uh, you get to uh, there's a bunch of different scenarios people have written for the game. You get to uh, 
create your own um uh you get to create your own federation or play as one that already exists or play as one that's never existed right now i'm playing in the scenario uh martian wrestling federation which tells the story of the after the Martian Wars, people turn to professional wrestling for entertainment, what? and you have to try and you have to try and overcome prejudice by booking Martian champions in your company. Oh. Nice. <laughs> uh, so it's really great. Uh, heavily recommend journeyofwrestling.com. We'll put the put the link in the show notes. Nice. Very cool. Uh, Rowan. Um, this week I, other than uh, accidentally binge watching an entire new TV series on Netflix, <laughs> um, I've been uh, reading through a little bit of the PDF for the Technocracy Reloaded. Uh, there was hell yeah, yeah. I haven't gotten very far, but it's it's a lot of fun, and honestly, it um, it's really hitting my. I could do creepy. HR voiceover for all of this text and it would just work button. Um, so <laughs> I've been checking that out. Um, I recently got my Lumi, which is a tiny uh, MIDI controller light up keyboard, which. Uh, yeah, it has extra dimensions of expression. So like if you just push harder on the key, uh, it makes different things happen. If you strike it, it makes a different Ooh. sound. Uh, if you take your finger off of the key very quickly, it does a different sound or effect. Um, it's it's pretty cool, and I should be able to spice up my uh, music production a bit now that I've got that. Um, and then the last thing, just before we started the podcast today, uh, while I was looking for something to burn some of the time, I put on Yasuke on Netflix. And Oh, is that out already? A Yasuke is out. Um, oh, so for for those who don't know, uh, Yasuke was the first African-American samurai in Japan. It was a real person who actually Ooh. existed. This, yes, I'm actually that's reading right. his biography right now. That's cool. Um, the anime, uh, its trailer did not do it justice. Looking at the trailer, uh, it seemed like just normal people talking with each other, probably a period piece. Okay. Turn on the first episode. There's immediately just a crazy shot of a battle happening somewhere in a place that we're told is Japan. Um, and then suddenly, and it's supposedly medieval Japan. People are fighting each other. You can't tell who's who. And then there are mechs. They're just mechs with guns and buzzsaws <laughs> moving around and murdering people. And then there's... Okay, so that sounds wonderful. And then there's Onmyoji uh, sorcerers casting spells and an apparently white dude with really long eyebrow lashes uh, sure. shoots an arrow storm at one of the mechs. And it's like, okay, this is, this is not a period piece. This is... <laughs> This is reading like white people tried to tell an Asian story and just read a list of tropes that anime usually has and hoped that it would make it popular by default. I, mm, d uh, so Damn, I, I could not get through the first episode, historical. but it may be somebody's popcorn. So. Uh, all right. Yeah. Mainly. Um, so I recently finished listening to, uh, the original Mistborn trilogy on Audible, and I had some free credits, so I decided to listen to The Keeper Chronicles by J.A. Andrews, 
And um, because basically the advertisement for it was like, if you like Brandon Sanderson, you'll enjoy this. And I was like, well, I like Brandon Sanderson. So let's see. And I will admit the first book, uh, like the first half of it, I was like, generic fantasy. Okay. Okay. I see where you pulled this from. I see where you pulled this from. But what they deal with, um, so in the world, the keepers are uh, these keepers of knowledge, and they also do magic. And the mark of a keeper and how they do magic is actually severe bodily harm. <laughs> they burn their hands. So their mm. hands are burning to trip to uh, transfer the vital or the life energy. And um, the main character in the first book, he is looking for a way to cure his wife who gets poisoned in literally a freak accident. And um, so he's kind of dabbling in some really dark shit. Um, But yet he's struggling with with the fact that he really wants to do this for his wife he knows he's dealing with some bad stuff and maybe someone is trying to resurrect the big bad evil wizard who almost destroyed the world so he kind of has to stop that mm-hmm. um so cool it it really did pick up and the second book is a lot but i'm enjoying it a lot more than the first book uh just mm-hmm. because it's not quite so tropey right um and in fact they're specifically reversing the tropes of the barbaric tribes of the steppes and the civilized keepers and just kind of like the fact that these two people hate each other without ever actually understanding one another. And so there's kind of this interplay happening and I'm at the climax of the second book, so I can't wait to to finish it but um yeah there's dragons there's elves and there's in the second book there's an adorable little grass elf who's just the cutest thing and like reminds me of my daughter so (laughs) i'm like i'm really really enjoying it so it's the keeper chronicles um the entire trilogy is one book on uh audible and um it's you know like this the length of oathbringer Dang. So three books is the length of Oathbringer. So, you know, um, it's good. But yeah, if you like Sanderson or Patrick Rothfuss, you'll enjoy it because it's the same. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> mm, oh, okay. nice. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, you know how all fantasy borrows oh, on specific mm-hmm. feels. Um, but yeah, I really feel like the author kind of hits their stride near the end of the first book and is really kind of developing their own world and their own idea, especially once they introduce the big bad that almost, that almost caused a calamity. Um, So I'm really interested to see what's going to happen one at the end of this book, um, because some shit's going down. And then what happens at the third book, if it's like a true trilogy or what? So We'll see. Mei Ling, I, I don't know how you could say that about fantasy 
all borrowing from the same tropes. Look at the variety we have seen in today's podcast in which Immortal Kombat, in Orphan Who Discovers Magic, and then in uh, <laughs> Shadow and Bone, Bone and an Orphan, Orphan Discovers Magic, magic. <laughs> and then in <laughs> Falcon and the Winter Soldier, where an Winter Orphan Soldier? Discovers Fit. Magic, a.k.a. a Super Soldier Serum. Yes! yes. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, that's right. Um, and then... <laughs> See, but there are sometimes there are some variations. Like if they if the orphan doesn't have memory of their past, then it's a JRPG. Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, if if the orphan is like, why me? It's either uh, it's young David Eddings or because um, you gotta admit, uh, Garyan is. Is a whiny is a whiny yes. bitch. Like I love him, mm-hmm. but yeah. it's a great story. But it, oh my god, like Skywalker. he is such a whiny bitch. Um, thank God. Oh, what's Luke the name Skywalker's of his? Skywalker is also an orphan who discovers magic. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, it's it's a classic <laughs> thing. Like orphans are just sad. <laughs> so, so the universe I mean, is like, honestly, here, have this cool toy. Yeah. <laughs> Hon- honestly, we never see Frodo's parents, so. Oh, true, true. He's an orphan um, who discovers magic. To finish up, um, I have been listening to a podcast that isn't so much new, but is new to me, and that I was kind of waiting to get to it. But there is an offshoot of campaign skyjacks made for children called Courier's Call, which is Ooh. the storytelling is so good the pacing is great. The themes and the way that the characters, the players express their characters is very appropriate for middle schoolers and younger. Um, the music is incredible and runs through my head almost all the time. Um, and I just finished season one and the end cap after season one has some stuff with Patrick Rothfuss in it. Who we were just Ooh. talking about. Oh, nice. Um, he plays a character in the Skyjacks universe called Jolly Jack, um, who is a very Rafus like character. Mm. Um, the other thing, which is not something I have been doing, but something I'm looking forward to doing, is that while visiting my girlfriend, um, her boyfriend took me aside to really talk to me about um about oathbringer okay um, about those books and started telling me more than what you folks would tell me because this man does not care about spoilers <laughs> and i think he really helped because i didn't realize how star wars that one mm-hmm. is i didn't uh-huh. realize how much um magical spirits imbuing you with power there is in mm-hmm. it. I so, did not so, realize so, Jaris, so what part did been... you miss? <laughs> Jaris, I, it's it's I... been it's been it's been fifteen or sixteen years of our friendship. <laughs> and every time I've told you you'd like something, I've been right. So but when are I, you going n- to just take my word? Unfortunately for it? Now I haven't cracked it yet, but it is now next on my Jaris, list after Jaris, the novel question. I'm reading are now. you a Virgo? I, I am my okay. My fiance does this fun thing too, where if I am like, "Oh, this is really good. We should check this out together." Her immediate response is, "I don't want to." 
now that you've recommended it to me and said I should watch it, that is the last thing I want to do. She was that way about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I put on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. one day, and then, like, three or four episodes in, she just comes de- comes over, like, grumpy and sits on the couch mm-hmm. and, like, looks mm-hmm. at me with just, like, so angry, and she's like, I'm enjoying it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is almost as embarrassing as last week when a friend asked me the time and date that I was born, and I told them, and then they used astrology to deconstruct my personality and show it to me, and I wasn't pleased. Honestly, that's one of those things about accurate astrology, is it feels like a huge fucking (laughs) call-out. Yeah. I, Destiny I don't is a bitch, man. It. It's not my paradigm, but its um, ability to cut me to the bone is uncalled for. <laughs> yeah. But, Jerris, even though I'm yes. a bit miffed that I don't I'm understand sorry. how in the many, many years I've been talking about the Stormlight Archives, that you're just I, I, now hearing about, like, spirits imbuing you with power and, like, all of this cool shit. But I'm very happy for you, and you have a beautiful journey ahead of you. Yes. I am looking forward to it. I cannot say how much this guy spoiled for me, and unfortunately, it was the right decision to make. But here's yeah. here's the thing. Like, yes, you were spoiled, but there's so much. There's a lot. And that's oh, kind of Yeah, with Branderson, I that's believe. That's kind it. of gonna be the thing. Like on the one hand, Branderson. the series is long enough that by the time you get to the things, you may have forgotten that they were spoiled for you. And on the other hand, Beautiful. having yeah. had them spoiled for you might give you another angle of appreciation on the thing, of being able to see the creeping steps towards the thing happening. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's why I didn't mind some of the talk we had today about, like, Shadow and Bone were things that, like, I desperately needed to hear you com- you all comment on, because I was getting antsy not yet knowing. Yes. Yeah, they go back and forth um, on a lot of things, but the... <sighs> similarly to how the series itself does, it's it's really smartly written. It It'll make you uncomfortable so that it can resolve that discomfort in a way that is affirming. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. Yeah. Yes. That does sound yeah, That good. is a really great way to describe to. Bernd, uh, Sanderson's uh, book, like books. Just really nice. <laughs> <laughs> They'll put it, you through hell sometimes, but they always end up being really nice. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Oathbreaker was, was rough in a oh, few times, spots, yeah. but so worth it. So fucking worth it. Like, never... Okay, so there have been, like, two book series that I have read in my entire life that I have felt... Actually, three books that I have felt, like, a deep, emotional, visceral response. One was The Hunchback of Notre Dame. I want to punch Phoebus in the fucking face, and he is an (laughs) evil, evil man, and any version that makes him redeemed in any fucking way is a lie. Not acceptable. And you like you like the Disney. Okay, the Don't Disney lie. version was good, but <laughs> two was I hate to say it, Deathly Hollows Harry Potter. Okay, that was one of the most perfect endings to a series. I felt like I felt good at the end. Like you know how sometimes you finish a se- a book series or a TV series and you're just like 
not satisfied. Yeah. I actually felt satisfied at Deathly Hollows. I didn't yeah. need any more. I was like, yeah. we're, we're good. And like, again, I read that entire book in a day. Like, I did not stop reading it. Um, yeah. Then Oathbringer. Yeah. Like. Ooh. The payoff. <sighs> Is <laughs> so good, and then that also makes Rhythm of War the end of Rhythm of War. Just oh, and so oh, it's gonna be so good. It's yeah. gonna be so good, and yeah. I'm so excited for you. And if you need my Audible credits, I have all those books on my Audible thing. I will gladly give them to you. So I appreciate that. I have a physical copy that I'm pretty sure I'm not borrowing. Get ready I for hand cramps. Someone get yeah. It's a big tome. <laughs> Um, and like my reading list is only growing. I really regret buying magic books a few weeks ago. That was a mistake. Uh, it's okay. You can use those as li a light reading break from Brandon Sanderson. Mm -hmm. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we have vamped enough. Mike, yes. where can they find uh, out more? So first of all, before we go, I just want to remind everyone, um, that, uh, never give up on your dreams. Paddington 2 is a better. Okay. Uh, we are the Ace One of Geeks. You can find us on uh, Twitter at Ace of Geeks. You can find us on uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash the Ace of Geeks. I think it's the Ace of Geeks. Mm -hmm. Hold on. Let me double check that. Editor, edit this part out. <sighs> no, not my group. I want, yes, that. Yes. Uh, it's facebook.com slash ace of geeks okay so you can find us on twitter at ace of geeks and on facebook.com slash uh ace of geeks uh you jaris uh, please email us uh your thoughts on the show your thoughts on anything we said um if you have differing perspectives on things we said due to having a different cultural background please email us we would love to know about stuff um please uh, please help us jaris, stop being ignorant we need help Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but don't do but emotional it's not labor your for us. job. It's not your job. It's not, not your responsibility. job. Yes. Uh, Jared, if they want to email us, how can they do that? A C E O F G E E K S P O T C A S T I N G at gmail.com. That's Ace of Geeks Podcasting at gmail.com. That's how um, you get it done looking at last time. <laughs> uh, my name is Mike Fatum. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Vengeance God. And please go and follow the League of Swords on Twitter and uh, uh, Facebook. It's uh, at League of Swords on Twitter and it's Facebook.com slash The League of Swords. We had our, our first video is now up on our YouTube channel. Woo, woo. You can find on those social pages. Uh, and we're filming our second video uh, next in a couple of weeks uh, with a certain Mr. Rowan Hansen in one of the <laughs> tight titular roles. Well, not titular. Just Boobular. Well, I guess as a sword fighter, is a titular role in it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Mei Ling, plug your stuff. Um, hi, you can find me at Office Hours with ML on Facebook and also at OH with ML on Twitter. Please send me your science and math questions. Um, I know that the end of the school year is coming up, so a lot of people are cramming for finals. Um, I am going to be dropping some how to study well for your finals or how to make that really awesome reference sheet coming up. So um yeah check me out and i look forward to answering your questions and before you ask the answer to how do i cheat is if you can help it don't yeah and the second answer um, is if you yeah. can't help it intelligently 
Uh, okay, Rowan, go. Um, hello, I am Rowan. I have a SoundCloud that has music on it that I created during the pandemic. Lots of little video gamey deets and doots. Um, I do not do this professionally, uh, but uh, I've just kind of been exploring the space and seeing what I can make with what I've got, and I think a lot of the stuff turned out pretty good. I'm doing a terrible job of selling any of this, but I've been told that it sounds good, so give it a ch check it, it out. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree that giving it away for free is a terrible job of selling it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jerris, Jerris, plug um, your preaching. You can uh, see some of my uh, magical thoughts and theologic writings at firstchurchofthemorningstar.com. The day this comes out, I will have posted a what is for me a pretty big deal. Um, of spiritual writing on being intersex and various narratives um, about intersex people. So once you're done listening to this, feel free to go on to uh, firstchurchofthemorningstar.com and check that out. All right. Well, folks, thank you very much for listening to our wonderful rambles once again. We appreciate each and every one of you, uh, and we will leave you as we always do. <laughs> I think that was good. I think we were all in Yeah, mostly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very good. <laughs> okay. That was an Ace of Geeks podcast. Hello and welcome. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.